Operators, start earning points with Lamb Weston's new Potato Perks app. Redeem points for back-of-house smallwares, custom marketing materials, and more. Register today to get your free 500 points and a rebate up to $100. Visit go.lambweston.com slash potatoperks sign up to download. Getting attention is the name of the game in the ultra-competitive restaurant industry, and Krispy Kreme has been doing quite a lot of that lately. Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I speak with Dave Skeena, the Global Chief Brand Officer for the aforementioned donut chain. Skeena's job is to get attention for a well-known brand, and the company has been doing some interesting things lately to accomplish that sometimes taking a few risks in the process. That includes last year's notable vaccine promotion offering a free donut to customers who could offer proof of a vaccination. We talk about that and the company's numerous other marketing promotions, such as one offering customers a dozen donuts for the price of a gallon of gas. Dave talks about these promotions as well as the chain's overall strategy and the challenges of our marketing a brand that is evolving into an omni-channel concept that sells donuts in a lot more places than just a shop. It's a sweet interview with the Chief Brand Officer of Krispy Kreme, so please have a listen. All right, I'm here with Dave Skeena. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, John. Glad to be here. All right, so super. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do to start out with. Sure, absolutely. I'm our Global Chief Brand Officer here at Krispy Kreme. I've been here for about four years, and I've been in marketing. (laughs) It's hard to believe I'm saying this, but for, for about 20 years, I don't know where that that all happened, but it has been a good while. A lot of my time in consumer packaged goods company, and then some time in restaurants, and and now here at Krispy Kreme, and it's been a great ride. I'm personal side. I've been married for over 20 years, and have three kids who are last ones in senior year in high school, so they're all getting to you know college age and getting out on their own a little bit more. So it's pretty interesting times there, but they certainly keep me current on marketing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. My eldest son is going into college next year, and he he really loves marketing himself, and uh, he keeps bringing up ideas to me all the time and stuff like that. So just uh, for what that's worth. So I guess my my first and probably the most important question I'm going to ask you, Dave, is: Have you tried your ice cream flavored donut with donut topped with donut flavored ice cream? <laughs> that's I I wish I could say yes. I don't know how I've I've not done that combination. Uh but when yeah, when we had the cream, when we had the uh the, the cream sickle donut out there with our new line of ice cream, that would have been an obvious match made in heaven. But um but I have tried them a lot plenty separately. <laughs> Let's uh I I'd like to talk a little bit about you guys have done quite a lot on the marketing side and I mean, I mentioned the the I guess the ice cream truck donuts, but you know that that and uh, you you your folks came out with the ice cream this summer, which I thought was fascinating. And you know you've had the you know the 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 promotion involving the price of uh, pricing donuts for the price of a gallon of gas, several other things. Talk a little bit just to start out with what's what's the general strategy. Boy, well, there's there's a lot. One of our marketing strategies. So I'll start with with marketing. It's it's very important for us to remain relevant. I mean, I don't know of a single brand that would say we don't care for relevance. So uh, I get that. But the fact is, 
we have to punch above our weight all the time. We're against larger, better finance, you know, from a marketing perspective, competitors, but we have a really cool brand. And our brand enables us to get more than our fair share of attention. And so we meet, I have a focus on what can we continue to do to gather that attention. And that is, that is, that is part of an intention strategy to help us maintain relevance. And even the way we construct programs is that more from the product side, what you're talking about, if you look at big picture, our goal, my goal is to have us become the most loved sweet treat brand in the world. That's not category specific. That's not channel specific. You know, that's just a flat out statement. And so when you think about our, uh, our omni-channel strategy, getting more into grocery, getting more into retail, getting into more into e-commerce, exploring new categories like ice cream, you mentioned, and, and testing things out, testing, learning, trying, doing it again, those are all ways we can expand convenience and access to the brand. And that's one of our biggest challenges is access to the brand. We ask consumers, what's your biggest barrier to enjoying Krispy Kreme more, it's, it's usually access. It's usually, it's not conveniently located. We're not on every corner. And on the one, on the one side that limits your reach on the other side, it makes that shop visit extremely special. So a lot of what you're seeing is an intention strategy to inc increase access to the brand. Uh, those are what we've called this hub and spoke strategy, this omnichannel strategy while maintaining a really special retail experience at these hubs. And I think combined, you have people able to enjoy different, different levels of experience, uh, but always consistently high product quality. So those are some of the things we're trying to achieve with that. And we can get more into the, the, the specific marketing side, like our marketing strategy, how we want to bring things to light. Certainly enjoy talking about that with Beat the Pump. It's a good example where we, we, we've done a lot of these. And I think they go beyond stunts because um, a, a stunt isn't necessarily attached to what the brand's all about. Um, those aren't stunts. When we do the vaccine promotion last year or beat the pump or things like that. Generosity is kind of core to our brand strategy. Um, it's kind of core to who we are. You buy donuts in dozens. It's one of the only products I'm aware of that you buy 12, you eat one, you give 11 away. People don't do that a lot with cars. You know, <laughs> they, they do it with us though. So you only eat one and then you give the other 11 or your donuts away? Are you really? Like you, how can you only, I mean, I, I find it impossible to eat just one Krispy Kreme. I don't, I can't, I can't do it. And so well, I'm, I'm fine with that, Jonathan. I, <laughs> I think that charitably, you know, you think, but, but when people buy a dozen donuts, I, I think there's two things going on. One is they know they're going to get, that enjoyment from the donut that they eat themselves or two or three, but they're also going to do something that's going to bring a fair amount of joy to, to folks at the office or at home or whatever. And I honestly think that's another hit of joy for the person. So it's, it's kind of a double whammy. And it, I've been on all kinds of brands. It's pretty cool to be on an indulgent brand focused on sharing, sharing joy, you know? So that's, that's a pretty, pretty good place to be. Tell, tell us a little bit about the beat the pump promotion because that that one i mean you had to get that come that one had to go from idea to implementation pretty quick didn't it tell us a little bit about that what what was the genesis well it really by the way it really did it, about 48 hours like two days basically from the time we ideated until the the press release was out so as you recall back then i guess that was late march early april i can't remember the exact day but gas prices were starting to soar 
you know, and that has an impact on us and all of QSR. I mean, people are spending more out of their pocket. There's less discretionary income, you know, for other things. And people are hurting. And we were trying to think, how can we, what's the zag here? Does Krispy Kreme have any role to play in kind of helping consumers through this pain at the pump? We had a brainstorm session. What, what can we do to be relevant in this time period? High inflation, high gas prices, extremely low unemployment, all that. And uh, we were talking, a woman on our team, she said, you know, we should really release our strategic donut reserve because they just released it. I'm like, that's it. That's the idea. We're going to release the strategic donut reserve and um, peg the price of uh, our dozen donuts a gallon of gas. And you know, it did exactly what we hoped it would, which was it gave, it was very generous. It gave a nice moment of joy. And the only way things like that can work and that um, I'm able to continue to do them as a marketer is if they generate enough incremental interest in the brand that people come in and get that deal and then hopefully buy something else. And, and our consumers generally do that. And so it's really about uh, attracting, driving awareness. That's a great example of, you know, you get a couple billion earned media impressions. Um, that's, that's worth a lot to us. And, and it's, it makes it worth doing these special things. But if they're not attached to generosity, they're not attached to the brand, they're not worth doing. You will also do discounting like most brands. And those are very reliable, predictable. You kind of know what you're going to get. But when you do something like the blood donation, dozens, or the vaccine program, or beat the pump, it's it's sort of next level. And it, you know you win sometimes, you lose sometimes, but we've had a pretty good track record of, of winning. Mm-hmm. So the the you you mentioned a couple of times a vaccine promotion. That one had to be a little bit more unfortunately controversial given sort of the way a lot of people have received the vaccine what made you guys decide to take a a step like that because then you not only did the vaccine promotion you doubled down on it later on we did and again brands good brands great brands i think have to have a strong point of view and we weren't we weren't trying to take a position on you must do this we just wanted to offer a show of support for folks who were trying to get us past the pandemic. I will say when we started that too, that I feel that the vaccine kind of got more controversial as time went on. We were on the very early in the front end. So at that point, we figured it'd probably be a noisy 10% or so, but a relatively low minority of people who would be not thrilled with it versus a large majority of people who would think it was a nice thing to do, good thing to do, generous thing to do trying to help society, put in the needs of others before yourself. It felt like a good fit for us. And what was very interesting about that promotion is we had the first wave of all really positive coverage. People were very excited about it. We were proud of it. And then you had this negative blowback, which we anticipated. But what we didn't anticipate, which was great, (laughs) was sort of the blowback against the blowback and how it sustained the coverage of the promotion and how it sustained people talking about the brand. And we didn't do much defending of ourselves. One, we didn't think it was necessary, but our fans, social media, journalists, they, they did all that for us. And, um, you know, looking back on it, I remain extremely proud that we had the courage to do something that had, you know, a hint of controversy because it was, for something that we thought then, and I believe now, was great, which is to show support for folks who are trying to get us past the pandemic. So it was a really, really good program. 
Mm-hmm. I still find it weird that it was controversial at all, but we don't know if we can necessarily get into that. But yeah, not I mean, not my monkeys, right? So. <laughs> but still, it. it uh, I mean, you know, it, it. It. I mean, you're to your point. I mean that that when you have a, a promotion like that, and then you know other people do the work for you. I mean that that has to be you know. I mean that had to be a pretty big win win for you guys. Mm-hmm. It, it was a big win for the brand. You know, when we talk about being most loved sweet treat, again, that is our goal. You know, we don't talk in marketing certainly much about being the biggest. That could be an outcome. Most profitable, that could be an outcome too. But that's not the focus. The focus is love. And um, love is very much uh, like a human connection of relationships two ways, right? And so that means if you, we found through these acts of joy, through the pandemic, that when it is a cliche, but as we've given things away, people have have come back and, and become more loyal and become more interested in us. And I think when you give things away for free, it feels like more of a gift versus a bargain. And it, it seems to be working out for us. Mm-hmm. Pretty happy with the, the ice cream truck donuts. Tell us a little bit about that, that idea. <laughs> that was fun. I mean, you know, that pretty much the ideation process, by the way, we we sit down and think about, okay, what's the calendar look like? And we're always trying to be seasonally relevant or relevant to something in pop culture or try something really new that we haven't done before. And so the ice cream donuts wasn't that much deep research of, you know, we came to the startling conclusion that summer was likely to be hot <laughs> and ice cream would be on people's minds. Mm-hmm. We're also, we knew we'd be having that test. So it, it coincided well with the, a test we we're going to do an actual ice cream and we were thinking about the fun just the childhood joy of the ice cream truck coming around and so we reached out to our friends of good humor there and uh, decided to bring a few of their offerings to life in, in store the cream sickle and the firecracker and um, the king cone and it went very well for us i mean it you know it's, it's been mentioned a good bit um people love the flavors i just think when you can do a twist on the familiar that seems to go well. When we do uh, partnerships with other beloved brands that are in the indulgent space in some way, ice cream is sort of a half step removed, whether it's, whether it's Good Humor, whether it's Twix, whether it's Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I mean, people really look forward to those collaborations. And so um, taken together, we usually have a pretty good run with those. Mm-hmm. Do, you have, uh, do you have some high hopes for the actual ice cream that you're uh, selling? No, absolutely. For the ice cream tastes great. So we know we've got something that consumers are interested in, will remain interested in. The reason it's a test is because we know we have a lot to learn. I mean, you know, entering a whole new category is, is not to be trifled with. And of course, involves equipment, training. And so it's it's not a small thing to do. So we fully expect we'll we'll have to, you know, work hard and, and continue to optimize for a while before we have everything perfect. But We've, we've tried in small ways ice cream long before I was here, but this is really the first time we have a nice systematic approach, full product portfolio, supported with some marketing. And I think a product that we've really had no pushback on the quality of the product. And people love the milkshakes. I think that's one of the learnings we're having is um, not too surprising, but milkshakes are a huge part of that mix. And we'll keep working it. And one thing I know we'll do is we'll... We'll take it the rest of the way when when we know we've got it, and uh, we're we're getting great learnings every day on that. I'm very excited about it. Mm-hmm. That's um, 
I mean, donuts kind of tend to do better in cooler weather, not right. I mean, so summer is kind of the tough one for you. So wouldn't that be, I, that would help you out during the summer months when your sales of actual donuts tend to tend to be a little slower. And then, you know, that it seemed to be, that would be complimentary if it, if it, if you can get that right. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely part of it. So one is you have this counter seasonality thing with ice cream. The other thing is just the sheer size of ice cream as a category. It's interesting to play in. And, you know, again, if we define, if, if our goal was to become the most loved donut, well, you wouldn't do ice cream. Sweet treat leaves a lot of avenues open for you. And that is a category where consumers were very receptive to us feeling like we have a right to play. We've done a lot to leverage our donut equities um, with that, whether it's, you know, the OG crumbles or the original glazed flavoring. So, you know, we, we definitely think we're onto something good and, and we'll work on it till we get it right. Mm -hmm. So uh, because the signs behind you say coffee bar, I, I it brings brings up to me because, you know, I mean, I've been I've I've followed Krispy Kreme for a long time. And I remember for the longest, everybody, everybody thought that Krispy Kreme needed to go big into coffee needed to do what Duncan did. Krispy Kreme needed to do what Duncan did. And there were a number of executives to try to do that. Now, I might be wrong, but it seems like you've gone. I'm not saying that you've abandoned coffee by any stretch of the imagination, but it seems like the focus is really with this omni-channel, with, with the sweet treats. And this is you're going to be a treat brand instead rather than a coffee brand. Correct me if I'm wrong or what's what's your thoughts on that? No, I think it's well said. It's you know, it's funny. It's an 85-year-old brand. And, you know, I've been here for four years and someday someone will be here after me. And the thing that's kept this brand alive for 85 years, no matter who runs it, public, private, whatever, is that original glazed donut. You know, there's lots of places to get coffee, but as a point of differentiation, it's always been this amazing manufacturing a donut right in front of you, <laughs> having a hot original glazed donut. And so, it, when, when viewed through that lens, since 1937, it, that's what's most central and core to the business. And I think there was a feeling um, prior to the last five years, maybe it gotten a little bit away from that, you know, and it just needed that refocus. But by no means, as you said, does that, that mean we would ignore or, or, or not innovate around beverage? But um, you're correct that it's, it's first be and always be these expert donut makers, giving people a high quality experience. The other difficult thing about that is, uh, again, it's the sheer volume of, of stores that some of the coffee, call them coffee first folks, do is it's, it's not our strategy. You know, we're looking at getting these sweet treats out in different ways and extending our reach that way. Um, but I have to say, I, I am very excited about our future in beverage. We haven't taken a hard look at it. Uh, how do we just make sure we do the basic things well and then think about the, what sweet treats in the form of coffee or other kinds of chillers or things like that might be. So, um, but I would agree overall with your statement, you know, that you opened up with, which is we are absolutely focused on just having the best donuts on earth. No. Is there, do you have to think, cause you have, you have this omni-channel strategy, which is fascinating to me and, and, and logical. Uh, you know, because you've had this general base of these large donut factories 
And that on their own can't necessarily support themselves uh, fully uh, all the time. But if you can get fresh donuts out to more places using these factories, then there's some real potential benefits, both in, you know, and certainly in terms of unit volumes for, for those factories. Is there like when you're marketing for that, is there, do you have to think dip a little bit differently because you're, you're not only just marketing for your donut shops, but all of these other little, these little ancillary places where your donuts are delivered? You're so right. And, and the fact is, you know, this is a challenge for me, right? So we've got to make sure our marketing now takes more omni-channel approach. And we're thinking about, particularly with innovation from scratch, it's still within the last couple of years that we're focused on this. And so I would say we still have a ways to go to make sure that even from the ideation stage, we're thinking about how can these innovations extend into grocery because some transport differently, you know, there's all kinds of different labeling, nutritional requirements, changes the lead times. And so something that seems simple is not simple. It requires you to have a different system thinking on product development, on package development, timelines are different, you know, demand planning, supply planning, like all these nuts and bolts things that you get real used to and grooved in retail when you open it up to grocery and you think about all those things, it introduces a lot, just a lot more thinking to be done, a different approach to marketing. Uh, it does also require investment in more shopper marketing specific things, right? It, which is um, one of the things I love about Krispy Kreme is I have both a CPG background and some of this restaurant background. So uh, I have a, a lot of experience with both and it's fun to be able to do both within one company, which as you said, it's, it is, it's really unusual. It's really unusual. It's a real appeal to me, you know, when I was considering taking this role and it's, it's absolutely delivered. I mean, this is something that we've transitioned to. It's getting you know, more and more important. It's bigger than just leveraging your fixed asset base, you know, over more points of access. It's, it's really helping us expand the reach of the brand. And uh, I think that from a marketing perspective, it's something I think about more and more. It's also e-commerce as well. You know, that's another one of the channels where how we do e-commerce marketing, what's that experience like? How do we keep improving it? Because it's, it's another place where consumers have touch points with the brand and you, you just have to make sure that you're delivering quality experience. And these things are new. And when something's new, you know, you continue to have to up your game. So I, I can imagine, though, that you can't, you know, that there that kind of limits you. You can't you can only there's only so many things that that you might not be you you might not be able to offer a certain type of product because it wouldn't necessarily work in some of these other places or do you or do you have like specific ideas you know that would only work in the shops you know what i'm saying some things are are i'll, I'll say not yet <laughs> ready to push through every channel and some of the hand cut things we're trying to figure out well how do we have them go through that network and remain fresh, deliver the highest quality. We don't want to, we don't want to push anything through a channel that we're not positive can't can maintain its quality through a life cycle onto that shelf. And so whether that's um, you know, cinnamon rolls or if we do an apple fritter, I mean, these things are things we have to consider. Now, that's in the US. I would say globally, in the UK, Australia, we've been doing this. A long, long time, and it is completely grooved. I think the challenge there is marker. I think about is okay. How do we keep delivering customer wonder? How do we try new things 
that don't break the system, but challenge the system to behave differently. And so you're always doing that uh, balancing act between operational efficiency and doing something that makes people say, wow. And I think if you go too far on the pendulum on either end, you're on the one hand, not going to delight consumers. And on the other hand, you know, you'll do something that ends up being too difficult and unprofitable through the system. So it, you really need another thing I love about this job is you really need a whole business point of view. Most marketers, I think, try to have a whole business point of view. But in this industry and certainly in this company, you just can't function as a marketer without a total system economics point of view, which is what I, which I love. It's what I studied undergrad and my first graduate degree was in economics. And so I love that part as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So I have to ask this question. What do you have against summer, man? Why are you trying to speed up the fall? <laughs> you introduced your pumpkin donuts and it was like a hundred degrees in most of the country. It's, it's not, it's not my job to, judge consumers, it's my job to reflect what they want. And, you know, we, if you've seen the ads, I mean, we were tongue in cheek the whole way because we were reflecting like, this is crazy. Why are we doing this in August? And it actually became the basis of the ad where we have these kids playing in a pile of green leaves because they just, we've decided we're moving fall forward and it's nothing against fall. In fact, nothing against summer. It's just fall needs to come to summer because people need their pumpkin spice lattes. I think, I think at some point, somebody's going to start introducing them in March. I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah. see. Getting earlier I, every year. I am, I am convinced we're heading to a full year uh, pumpkin spice. It's just inevitable. But I mean, I guess the thing, though, I mean, I, I mean, probably reference, I mean, to be perfectly honest, you actually have a legitimate reason to head to fall because it's a better sales period for you, isn't it? I mean, that's when your sales really do start picking up after the summer, doesn't it? Yeah, but... And this is another great thing. I mean, you know, we won't share the whole calendar, but we have more ideas than time on the calendar, right? And so we have an awesome set of limited time only and core donuts coming up, some things we've never done before. And pumpkin spice has its place. I think the biggest question is to your point, you know, some of the some of the items, like our pumpkin spice cake donut, like they're here, you know, through Thanksgiving. But consumers appetite for pumpkin spice trying to figure out, okay, how long is the season? Not just when it start, but how long is it where people remain interested? And that's, that's pretty interesting too. But uh, we have some other things to coming up. I mean, you've got Halloween, the fourth quarter, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and, and uh, Christmas. I mean, th- those are big gifting occasions, big gathering occasions, big donut occasions. As you said, that is, that is prime time. And so, you know, once, once you get past September, it's hard to even find room we have you know we have physical limitations to how many donuts we produce how many slots we produce and so on and so that is always a struggle too it's like how do you make room for all the things you you want to do that's a real that's a real thing mm-hmm. they were hinting on the call say, saying on the call this week that you're going to be doing some um coming out with actually a, almost a new price point with uh with premium donuts yeah with you mentioned fritters i think that was a- yeah yeah uh, mike Mike uh, let the cat out of the bag on fritters there, but you know, fritters are something we've done for decades, but they kind of went away with this notion of they're too hard. And for, you know, a a good while people were like, Oh, how, how can we make these, you know, more efficiently, more inexpensive, bring them back. And, or you can make them the old fashioned way and see if people demand them at a higher price point that justifies the labor and the effort. And that's the path we've taken. 
we took that path with cinnamon rolls last year, about this time actually, and uh, they're hand cut and you know hand rolled and cut. I made them myself. It's pretty fun, and they do take a little bit more time. And so you charge a little bit more to compensate for the extra time and the extra cost of the goods. And consumers were quite happy to do it because they thought it was a great value still. And that's what I think you'll see with printers. And you know, we've had that sort of premium price point out now since cinnamon rolls earlier this year we had a twix bar which would did you see that one we there was a, a mm. donut with an entire twix bar inside it. that was <laughs> that was pretty awesome so anyway but you know i think people have a pretty good understanding of you know you'll pay more to get more and you'll hold the value equation constant so i think you'll see some things that are more handmade um, they do take a little longer they have more premium ingredients for example and people are willing to pay more for that Super. Dave, this was wonderful. Really appreciate you joining me this week on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you. I hope your listeners enjoy. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited, as always, by Kimmy Spoons Kazmarek, artwork by Nico Hines. You may find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. Operators, start earning points with Lamb Weston's new Potato Perks app. Redeem points for back-of-house smallwares, custom marketing materials, and more. Register today to get your free 500 points and a rebate up to $100. Visit go.lambweston.com slash potato perks sign up to download.